What's up, everybody? Welcome back to GMs for Hire. My name is Will Polson, and alongside with me is a new person to the GMs for Hire crew, Brian Crawford. He was on my show, my radio show back in college, and he's back on the podcast now. He's going to help us out a little bit with some NFL and some NBA episodes, because the rest of us here at GMs for Hire, we're not exactly knowledgeable in the NBA field. So we're going to try to bring somebody on because we've had people ask us for NBA videos. And frankly, we just don't know what the hell we're talking about most of the time. So um, so hopefully get used to Brian. Hopefully we'll have some NBA content to, uh, to talk about here. Um, but we're going to start off with the fact that the NBA is back. Uh, it's good just to see that pro sports are back in general. We saw that, uh, we saw it starting with NASCAR made its way to the, uh, to the major league baseball. Now the NBA and the NHL are coming back. And, uh, Brian, I'm sure as a basketball fan, it's gotta be great to at least be able to see games again. What it is, what it ain't, what it's going to be. And it is good to finally get some basketball and other sports in general back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just we, we haven't seen sports in so long. I want to say since March. Um, it, it's finally good just to have something back. Um, and now it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. I mean, there, we're not playing at the Staples Center when it comes to the NBA. And we're not playing at Emily Arena or Joe Lewis Arena, not even playing at Joe Lewis Arena for Detroit Red Wings anymore, but um, we're not playing at those big time arenas and we're not over at Madison Square. We're not over in TD Gardens. You know, we're not, we're not where we are sp- usually are, but we're back in general. So um, to have basketball back and to have uh, the NHL, the uh, MLB, everything back um, is nice and comforting, but uh, we had a comment and I'll put it up here uh, in post uh, that somebody had commented on our Instagram wanting an NBA video um, to start uh, as we have not had much NBA content on our channel. Uh, again, uh, the four of us, the main four on the show, we don't know too much about basketball, but it, it is kind of our duty to report about sports. So why not talk about the NBA? Um, I know specifically they wanted to talk about uh, the, the bubble and how everything's going on. And I don't know about your first impression, but whenever I was looking into this, I was really kind of skeptical because to hold so many people in such a small area, um, having the, all the NBA teams that are in participation to try to get those uh, to try to get those playoff spots. I want to say there's 22 teams, uh, yeah. 20 or 22 teams fighting for 16 playoff spots, um, and I know there's about 12 men on a roster. Uh, uh, usually, typically, uh, maybe only 10 play in the roles, but 12 are typically on a roster. Uh, that's a lot of people, along with staff and everybody else that has to be congregated in one area. And whenever I thought about the bubble, I didn't think this was necessarily going to work out. Uh, what was your opinion on it whenever you thought of like having everybody together? Well, when I thought of the bubble, I immediately thought of Olympics. Because during the Olympic, whatever year it is, whatever city, whatever town, you always have athletes from however many countries, hundreds of people that are there, and you have Olympic Village. So that's where, you know, all the athletes, they live, they eat, they um, practice, they did pretty much everything that they needed to do until it was time next to go to a venue and compete. So I thought immediately that that's probably how they were going to set it up where it's the Olympic Village, just with all basketball players, which I think is it's about 15 per team. So, and then you're right where it is, 22 teams. So 
I still think when you're spreading it out, especially with Disney, there's many complexes and hotels and things, venues like that. They have enough room, really, because there's not a lot of people actually just going to Disney. So what else are you going to do with it? Right. And I'm sure they've already kind of, they've probably X'd off those hotels just to be for the NBA players. I know that um, I got to watch the Pat McAfee show here a couple of days ago and Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic was on there. And he was talking about how they have multiple teams in hotels. I want to say about seven or eight teams. It sounded like he said per hotel. Um, and then so they're, they're pretty spaced out. But uh, at the same time, uh, from what he was saying, he was saying that in the bubble, they have certain times that they have to practice, certain times that uh, obviously they have certain game times, but certain times that they have practice, certain times they have meals. Um, and then anything for uh, such as room service or anything such as that, it usually kicks in after 5 p.m. Um, at least the room service does. Uh, other amenities, I'm not exactly sure. But other than that, you don't even have to kick it with just your team. You can hang out with anybody. He said, yeah. if you're in the if you're in the same area, if you're in the same hotel, he said that he was down at the pool seeing Bobby down in the pool, all seven foot three of them, uh, and the water was up to like <laughs> just below his knees, and mm-hmm. he was hanging out in the pool. So um, to to see that the, they're actually not all just with their team, similar to how the MLB is. I know the MLB isn't doing a quarantine bubble. They're still using their own stadiums, but they are only locking down with their team. And so far, it seems to be working miracles for the NBA and NHL because they're not having positive testing. Uh, they, they, a, or not the NFL, the MLB have already had the Marlins, have already had a ton of cases. The Philadelphia Phillies, my beloved St. Louis Cardinals, have, uh, I want to say, four positive tests and four inconclusive results. So they are they're another team that's kind of building up on COVID cases. And now they're talking about the MLB being dis- discontinued for the rest of the season. You're not hearing those talks with the NHL and the NFL uh, right. and, the, uh, and the NBA. It's kind of crazy. It is, and that's part of the where I understand how – you don't necessarily have to completely lock people down and say you can't leave the hotel because they're doing testing. I think it's either every day or every other day and no one can actually enter in the bubble or exit out the bubble without having that. Okay. I'm leaving for this reason. I'm going to be gone this amount of time. And then they're testing you before you can even come back into the bubble. And I think that's what's keeping a lot of the positive tests down and the outbreaks or whatever you want to call it down. If I'm not mistaken, zero positive tests between both the NBA and the NHL. Both teams or both leagues are in a bubble. So shout out to those two leagues for making something happen. Their commissioners are a lot better uh, than Rob Manfred, and I'll continue to say that for the rest of my days. Uh, We need Bud Selig back. But uh, moving on, uh, just kind of sticking around with how the bubble's going, uh, Terrence Ross was also talking about since it's Disney, they have those little wristbands for anybody who hasn't been to Disney. They have those little wristbands that they wear. They have to shine to everything. They have mm-hmm. to answer questionnaires before they go to other places outside of their room. Um, they have to try to set up times for everything. And like your, your, your actions are very monitored. And I, I think that's really helping out with the NBA. I think that's why they don't have that many positive cases. And it's good to see that at least the leagues, Adam Silver and everybody else is kind of going about this in the, at least in a positive way. Right. And I think, like I said, it, would, it leads back to the point of they have all these stipulations in place to make sure that 
they're not exposing themselves to something to bring it back in and cause an issue. So as long as you can common sense enough to set it up to where you're not exposing everybody, you don't have it, not taking any unnecessary risk. I mean, just coming, having all those people there and playing is a risk of its own. But when you can check, test everybody, say, okay, you're clean, come on in. And this is how we're going to operate it and make sure that we're keeping everything else out. I mean, that should be simple enough. Sounds like as long as you're not Lou Will going to a, a gentleman's club, you should be pretty okay. But um, nonetheless, well, we've seen Zion, I wanted to say Zion opted out of the bubble and now we're seeing them back. Um, he, he has officially joined the Pelicans. I think the yep. Pelicans had their first game. I didn't get to see how it went. Uh, did they have their first game or is that? Did they, yeah. they did? Yeah. yeah. How'd that go? Uh, they go okay here. Uh, it was going okay, but you could tell that they've been off for a while with a lot of these teams. Uh, but in Zion in particular, you could tell that his conditioning isn't back, you know, he actually sat out the last, I think, five or six minutes of the game. Wow. Right. So I think I remember, that's. I thought I remember seeing a stat line that he had 13 points and no rebounds, which I don't remember who they were playing, but not getting any rebounds for Zion would kind of shock me a little bit whenever I saw that pop up on my phone. I was like, is he not, is he not just winning the battles down low? Is he just getting outplayed? I didn't know like what the situation was, but if you're saying he looked a little lethargic then it definitely looked like his athletic level wasn't up to where it typically is. I mean, that, that's starting to make a lot more sense. And that's the thing. That was the, my biggest question of when the, when they actually started back playing, how many ex exhibition games are they going to have? what the conditioning is going to look like for pretty much all of the players, because that's the one thing about basketball is constant movement. And your, you, your conditioning has to be on level nine before you even start out. Yeah, so you make it through the game. Yeah. It's definitely one of the most enduring sports. I think that's why I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd like to think that I can look at a guy my size and if I see that I can excel at that sport, I'm like, bingo, that's what I'm watching. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, you say that a lot of teams are looking like a little lethargic. A lot of teams are looking at, at least, I know that you and I were talking off camera. You said that, uh, it, it seems like there's little to no defense right now. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's more of just getting back in the swing of things? Do you think that's just going to be how this plays out for the remainder of the season? Uh, what, what's your opinion on, on watching that so far? Well, the problem with you that you're going to have is the remainder of the season is like, eight games for the regular season. So trying to have two or three exhibition games and then you go into an eight-game regular season to actually solidify playoff teams, that's not enough time when you've been off for four, five, six months, whatever the case might have been, to where – because defense is a team thing. You don't have a lot of one-on-one -on -one straight-up defenders, even in the NBA, that can stand in front of – another guy with that caliber. So I think that's where a majority of the problem comes in that is where it's hard enough just guarding somebody one-on-one -on -one regularly. Then when you got an athletic big guy that you have to stand in front of and there's no real help coming because you haven't practiced like that, you haven't played like that, everybody's timing is off. So that's where a lot of these, you're going to see a lot of either extremely high-scoring games or you're going to have some blowouts where one team is on it that night, another team isn't, 
and you're just going to have some one-sided, lopsided, uninteresting games. Fair enough. I mean, whatever, uh, whenever you're watching the games, I think a lot of the appeal for the NBA is the high scoring kind of uh, the, the more scoring, the more action in the NBA. I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to it. Um, so to see that the defense is a little bit lackluster, at least in the beginning, I'm sure it's making a lot of fans happy, but I'm sure more fans are just excited to have the game back. Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's just starting out as we're recording this. It's August 1st. Um, I don't know what day this is probably going to drop. This will probably be my next video that I drop just because of people getting on me about NBA videos. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know how many games you've watched so far. Uh, I don't know how much you're keeping up with it. But uh, so far, I know it's early on, but is any team kind of standing out to you? Is any team that while you were watching maybe looked really good or at least looked less like they took time off than the other teams or uh, any, any team standing out in particular? Well, you're going to have the, your top teams are, should come out looking like they're more ready to play like the Lakers, Clippers, uh, Celtics, uh, just simply because of the talent level that they have. A lot of times if you have that top talent, do they, do you want to make sure you had time to play together to jail? Yeah. But could you actually throw those guys out and they can actually just go out there and win a couple games? That's the other thing. So when you, like I said, your, your top teams like Lakers, Clippers, they looked decent. I mean, they looked like they're ready to play just simply because they have the talent and they should look like they're ready to play. So really what people aren't, people aren't necessarily looking to see what those teams are going to do. The, the most interest is coming from who are the eight seeds? How are they looking? Because that's going to be more of the impact. That's more of the question mark. That's the only real, real reason that you want to watch a game. That's the only thing you're looking for, or for me anyway. Yeah, obviously the top number one teams, number one, number two, everybody like that, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be in the playoffs. Um, right. I don't know who the eighth seed is in the Western Division, but I know coming into this, the eighth seed in the Eastern Division was the Orlando Magic. So I'm sure that they have a big target on their back. And I want to say the Western Division is the the division that had like all the additional teams come. I want to say that like in the Eastern, that was the West. Teams. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the West. They had, I believe, you had the number eight seed, and then you had an additional four teams below. Yeah, I say it was thirteen from the West and uh, nine from the East. Right. So right now, I mean. Thinking about it from the Orlando Magic, I mean, you have to feel pretty confident because you're only, theoretically, to get into this playoffs, you're only having to fight off one other team. Uh, right. that, that Western eight seed conference, like that, that conference spot right there at the number eight seed, that's going to be a big dogfight. Um, a lot of teams are going to be pushing to try to get that. And even the eight seeds can push all the way up to maybe like a six seed. You know, it has the ability in such a shorter game, uh, just the eight games. To, and especially with all this time off, it, it's just a matter of who comes out fresh and hot early. You know, who, who's actually going to come out and perform early on. Uh, so uh, it, I don't know. Again, I'm, <laughs> I'm a horrible basketball guy. I don't know who the eight seed is in the Western Conference, but – out of those lower teams, uh, who do you like in the Western Conference to move on? See, initially coming in, I was liking the Pelicans because I liked what – you have Lonzo Ball and a couple other guys, and then when you throw Zion into the mix, that's the next factor. So I wasn't sure how well 
that was going to roll, but I was happy. Well, I was interested in seeing how that was going to actually play out because the Pelicans have some good guards. They're young, they're quick, they're fast, they can move. But I'm just like, you know, how well can they pull this thing off? How well can they stick it together? Because they were a young team. So between the Pelicans and uh, you also have the Grizzlies, with John Morant um, leading that charge. You know, those are two young teams that I'm, I was really interested in seeing what they would actually be able to do. Fair enough. I mean, I think I think the whole reason of bringing in the Pelicans uh, is almost like a marketing technique by the NBA to try to get Zion in that bubble. Um, they were close. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm sure that I'm sure the NBA loves having the number one overall pick out there. Uh, soon, I'm probably one of the most highly marketable people in the NBA. Um, one of the most recognizable faces, one of the most recognizable names, uh, even as a first-year player. So having the Pelicans in there, uh, especially for the NBA, has got to be pretty nice. But um, overall, uh, it, it seems like the bubble's a very interesting place. It seems like uh, this is going pretty well. And it seemed uh, from that interview with Terrence Ross, he had mentioned that it's, it's a completely different feeling from what you're used to because he said whenever you play in an arena such as the Staples Center – uh, it seems like your depth perception is so off because of how big that stadium is. And he said, now it almost feels like an AAU tournament in high school. And since there's no stands or anything such as that, that's all blocked off. Your depth perception looks so much shorter and people are pulling up from ungodly spots and just, just shooting. He was like, but people are actually hitting the shots. Like people are going like six from eight shooting half court shots almost in practice. Like people are looking a lot better. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see that if uh, teams with a heavy amount of shooters would actually fare pretty well in this uh, this bubble scenario. Well, yeah, they should. But, but if it also depends on. I think it's more if you're a, a practice, go if you're a practice guy. Then I think in the game situation, it would benefit you better in this arena because. It's different, like, I, I, you know, just playing sports. You know, you had some guys that went super hard and they were practice all-stars. But then when they got to actually playing in front of people in a bigger stadium, bigger venue, the lights, bright lights get to them and they freeze. So in this, yeah, so in this situation, it's going to be a little bit different because you don't have anybody else out there watching you. And is it like a scrimmage? Yes, but you still have real-world stakes to it. So it's like, what do you do? No, I, 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 that's definitely true. I think that's. I think that goes throughout all sports. We've seen, we've seen players kick in and out of leagues just because they can't handle the big situations. Um, and even on a lesser extent, we've seen people go to big market teams that are known to be this big thing, such as at least in the NBA. Or whenever I think of sports, I always think of the MLB. I try to compare it to that. So we've seen people join teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers and not be able to take the bright lights. And then they have to leave and go to a smaller market team. If you look at somebody like, uh, uh, just a comparison to the Major League Baseball, Sonny Gray uh, was an absolute ace for the Oakland Athletics. Looked mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. New one of the new up and coming pitchers, and he went to the Yankees and struggled. I mean, he was doing terrible. And now he has since left the Yankees, and now he's with the Cincinnati Reds, another smaller market team, and he's doing phenomenal. He looks just like Sonny Gray again. And so um, I'm sure that with the no fans, the no, the jeering and, and the boos and everything such as that, that may come, uh, there's going to be a lot less fan interaction. And so 
uh, I feel like that. I feel like you're you're right. A lot of players might be able to clear their head and almost feel like they're just on the practice court. Yeah, I say it. I don't think that. Well, looking at it just aesthetically, you can you can, but you can't not really tell that what the what the situation is. So, like you were mentioning, like Madison Square Garden and other things like that. I really, I think that the only time that that appeal comes in is because you do have a crowd there. So when you, if you're, if you played at Madison Square Garden, there was nobody there. What would the appeal really be? I don't really, I don't, I can't think that there would be an appeal besides, like I said, it's the the crowd that you actually have there. So when you get the like the bubble and things like that, I think they're playing in three different venues. It's pretty much all going to be the same setup. Where I mean. There's going to be just you playing. So it's this thing of can you charge yourself up without having somebody yelling for or against you? And how well can you just focus in on this is actually a game that matters and it's not practice. I still got to come out here and compete and do my thing. Yeah, this definitely takes away the home court advantage. Uh, There's no such thing anymore. Uh, You know, and whenever we've talked about this, uh, the other GMs for hire and I, We've talked about this upcoming with football. If they're not going to allow fans, a team like Seattle, the Seahawks, who are known to have a deafening stadium, you know, how much is that going to change? Because a lot of people, whenever they come to Seattle to play, it is so ungodly loud that yeah. it is so hard to call audibles and make changes whenever you're an offense, uh, an opposing offense on the line that like the, the crowd just doesn't let you do it. You have to do silent sounds and silent signals and everything such as that. But now it's the NBA and nobody's there. And I mean, it's going to be so easy to hear anybody. I mean, it's going to be like you're playing at a YMCA almost. It's going to be so awkwardly quiet. And I I think it'll be interesting to see because it really is. It seems like it's just going to come down to true talent. It's going to come down to who can actually make things happen because you don't have that home court advantage. You don't have those fans getting in people's heads. You don't, it's just going to be who can do well-rounded basketball the best. Right. And so you still have some of the, the noise just because you have the coaches and other players, things like that, that are there. I think you still might be playing like music and some other things like that. But it is a thing where you can hear almost everything and what they are. If the, if the mics are piped up the way that they should be, you would hear everything. And I think that they, they try to keep some, keep some of the mics further back because you don't want to hear everything that's being said on the court. There's no telling what people are going to be saying, especially whenever you get down into like the down to the battles down by the rim and everything such as that. There's going to be some exchanges of words that might not be necessarily friendly for 12 year old Timmy, who is a big Nets fan or something like that. So yeah, so they they've actually because I've called a couple of the games where uh, you you can tell when they've cut the mic because something is being said very loudly. And, you know, you need, FCC doesn't want it being cast everywhere. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have to be mindful of that. And then I find it hilarious. That's part of the reason why I do tune in to some of the games because I want to hear – I want to see how many times can you audibly hear that they've cut the mics. <laughs> and, it's, and it's more than you'd expect? <laughs> no, I actually I expect it more. But I think because some of it – it can, you really, it's not discernible what is actually being said so you can get away with it. So they haven't cut it as much, but when they do, 
they just blank it for a good five seconds where you just there's just nothing there. Just because they want to make sure that yeah, give us some, some gray area to, to work with. The Pat uh, Pat McAfee was asking Terrence Ross that on his interview. He was asking him about uh, has Adam Silver asked you guys to like you know kind of tone it back or as your coaching staff or anybody says like to watch what you're saying. And Ross was like, they don't care. They were like just. Just go about it. They don't care. Like that's what the audio people, that's what the AV people are going to be for whenever you're showing these basketball games. So um, I, I guess nothing's really going to change. I, I guess it's well, really you don't want your players thinking about something other than actually playing basketball. I don't right. want my players thinking about don't say or don't yell or my you know something like that because I don't want like a lot of it is instinct except for when you know a play is actually happening. So if sure. you're, if I need you to be down on the post or, or picking up, uh, helping out on defense, I don't want, have, want you thinking about, oh, you said a bad word or something like that. No, I want you playing. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're grown men. I mean, they're going to say what they want to say anyway, you know? Yeah. And the MLB, uh, like I said, is the easiest thing I can compare to. I've, I've even noticed, like, the MLB having to cut some mics here and there because – you can pick it up during a live game if somebody said it a lot of the times, but now, I mean, it is clear as day. And I mean, it is just like, oh, okay. He had, he had something to say about that. <laughs> I can imagine that's what the, uh, the NBA is like at certain times, but uh, at least so far from your perspective, it doesn't seem like it's, it's that bad, at least early on. <laughs> well, no, not early on. I think simply because I think if the games were like playoff time where it's more tighter, then they, you may hear more going on. But because, like I said, the only people that are really, you know, fighting for, the, for their, their playoff lives are the eight seeds or somebody fighting for that eight spot. So other than that, I think a lot of the games are more of a, I'm, we're, I'm trying to get back in shape or we're trying to get that, that team to jail well in order to be more productive. I haven't really thought about it that way, but um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mention one more thing and then we'll wrap it up here. Uh, also in that interview, uh, I know a lot of teams around the league are doing those zoom calls with fans to have their fans kind of projected. And what the NBA has decided to do is that they're actually going to do uh, family members. They're going to have just family members as opposed to other fans and everything such as that. Uh, I think that's a decent idea, but I can see where that may get into the head of other players to where maybe, uh, you know, just trying to impress the family or something like that. Um, but overall, I think it's a good idea to try to have your, to have your uh, family there. And they said they're also trying to set up a way to where they can almost interact with the family uh, through those Zoom calls. That's where I get a little stingy because it almost goes back to your same point where you're saying you don't want these players thinking about anything other than the game. Uh, if, if these fam- if these players are trying to interact with their family, it, it really almost does become like an AAU tournament to where your your mom or your dad can walk up and be like, it's okay, son, you'll get them next shift, you know? like And, and you don't want the players doing that, at least in my opinion. See, and I, I look at that as a caliber of player question because if you're a, a Kawhi or a LeBron, does it really matter – what family member is, are they doing or are they projecting? And is that person really going to be trying to interact with the family member? So guys like that, no. Now where I do kind of think about it is the fringe guy because they've expanded the rosters and you've got a couple of guys that might have been G League or on their own two-way contract or something like that. 
I think that person just in general is going to be putting 20 on 10 going extra to try to solidify them a contract for next year. So I could see them being more impacted more just on the, the effort of, okay, we've got extra spots or extra roster spots. Let me go out here and show why. I'm sure your stars are still going to remain your stars no matter who's on that camera. So um, right. coming to the end here, just going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do it. Put your face to a team right now. It's very early on. You haven't seen much playing, but if you had to award an NBA championship, who's it going to? Um, I, I hate to say off. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it just because I haven't seen them do it before, and it's the Clippers. But I like the Paul George. I like the Kawhi. I like the talent level that they have on that team, even Patrick Beverly. If they can get everybody together, healthy, and playing, I think that's the most talented team that you actually have in the NBA, and that's who I would say I would bet on them to win the championship, period. I know LeBron is with the Lakers, but I think the Clippers have more talent top to bottom to where if they really just pressured LeBron and tired him out, I mean, you, you have Anthony Davis there to help, but, you know, I think it's still the LeBron show. Uh, I, think that's a, I think that's a name that's probably being thrown around quite a bit, and I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go with a team that's been thrown around quite a bit, and I'm going to go on the eastern side of things. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I, I don't watch match basketball, so that could be really stupid, but I watch – I've seen Chris Middleton play. I've seen Michael uh, Malcolm – or no, Malcolm Brogdon's not with the team anymore, is he? No. No, no, he's with the Pacers. Uh, but yeah. uh, but Chris Middleton, Giannis, I mean, that team is ridiculous. I mean, just to have Giannis in general, you might as well have three players out there. Uh, he's such a big man who can basically play almost between anywhere between the one and the five, it almost seems like. He is that freak of an athlete. Chris Middleton's an amazing shooter out on the uh, out on the outside. And I think with Kawhi being in the Western Conference this time, uh, he's not going to be the legend killer that he is. Uh, so I think if he's going to see Kawhi, uh, obviously if he's going to see Kawhi, it's going to be in the championship. Um, I, I, I like to. I like the other teams that Milwaukee's going to have to go through to get to that final. And I really like Milwaukee going to the finals and taking it all. Um, coming from a guy who hasn't watched an NBA basketball team. Uh, an NBA basketball game since the Thunder were in this uh, in, in the in the NBA Finals, so that could be Ooh. completely stupid. <laughs> but no, my game no. is connected to the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Not a stupid pick. But still, that's actually a pretty good one. It could be worse. It could be worse. At least I picked the team that's there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think there's like eight or ten teams that aren't even there. So I could have said one of those. <laughs> I could have went with the SuperSonics, but. <laughs> But uh, until then, until we can get something else, uh, this has been GMs for Hire. We're finally getting a basketball episode up. Really sorry for the pause on the content on that because the only other thing we had up before then was the Jordan-LeBron bait. Uh, where do you stand on that? Just throw it in there right there. I'm a Jordan guy. Fair enough. I had to defend yeah. LeBron for content. But, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I understand the LeBron comments and I understand why people say LeBron is what he is. He should be the, one of the best or is the best. 
I look at it as a guy that size, that athletic, you should be there. And if you're not being talked about as one of the greatest players ever, then yeah, that's a slight on you. There you go. Now, there you go. Brian's officially the tiebreaker. We had 2-2 two, two in that video. Brian says Michael Jordan. The GOAT is officially Michael Jordan. So um, yep. <laughs> until then, until we can get another episode up, I've been Will Polson, and this is for his first episode. This is Brian Crawford. Uh, thank you all so much, Brian, for coming on here. I appreciate it. Hopefully, look forward to having you on other episodes. My pleasure. All right. Take it easy, my guys. Peace.